Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Our second reading this evening is from Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. 
Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? A little boy came back from Sunday school one morning with his, and his father asked him, well, what did you learn? The little boy replied, how the people of Israel were kept in Egypt and used as slaves by this guy called Pharaoh. Oh, said the father, then what happened? The little boy went on. A guy named Moses tried all these special effects on them. It was really, really wicked. He turned the river into blood, He covered the Egyptians with frogs and bugs and boils. He beat them down with hailstones and locusts, and he scared them with an eclipse of the sun. He started killing their cattle, and then finally killing their oldest kids. And did it work? His dad asked. Well, Pharaoh let them go after the kids were killed, but then he sent his army after them, the little boy replied. And then what? Well, said the little boy, Moses called the Israeli Air Force and they blitzed the Egyptian tanks and destroyed them on the ground. They also gave cover while the engineers laid down this pontoon bridge across the Red Sea. And then the people of Israel crossed over without getting their feet wet. But when the Egyptian army got onto the pontoon bridge, the Air Force came back and bombed it away and the Egyptians all drowned. Is that what your teacher told you? The father asked. Well, not exactly, the little boy said. But if I told it you the way she did, then you'd never believe me. So, what actually happened? Well, what is the real version of events all about? Well, we know that God had called Abraham, the founder of the Israelite nation, about 2,000 years before Jesus was born, And they they were to settle in the land of Canaan, also known as the Promised Land. And that's Israel as we know it these days. But over time, they left this land and they went to live in Egypt. We know that at first they were favoured in Egypt, but a a change of king caused a change in that too. And they became slaves to the Egyptians. They'd been slaves for almost 400 years, or at least that, before Moses arrived. So this was something that they were well used to. Something they probably thought would never change. Slavery was all some generations ever, ever knew. But then there was Moses, who had been given the task of taking the Israelites out of Egypt and bringing them back to Canaan. First off, he went to Pharaoh and he asked them to release the Israelites. And of course, he said no. So God inflicted the Egyptians with ten plagues, including the death of every Egyptian firstborn. And eventually, after that final plague, Pharaoh had had enough and decided to let the people go. 
But once he'd left, like all good dictators, he changed his mind and he sent an army after them and they threatened to kill the Israelites by chasing after them. And that's where we find the Israelites, stuck in a difficult, even impossible situation with a difficult decision to make. Ahead of them, they have the impassable Red Sea. Behind them, they have a vicious army of the Egyptians who are after killing them. Not much of a nice place to be, if you ask me. And they were afraid because, well, who wouldn't be? They could see the vast expanse of water on one side and they could see an army on the other. There was no obvious route to escape. They were trapped. And they were convinced that they were going to die. And the bit before the passage that we heard earlier, they said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses answered the people and he said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Do not be afraid. Moses didn't know at this point how God would save his people. He just was certain that he would. Moses knew there was no way out than with God's help. You know, sometimes... In our daily lives, when we see that our only help is God, we're more likely to trust him. Because sometimes in the little things, you know, the things that we can do in our own strength, it's easy to just do it in our own strength and not give it over to God. When really we know that we can trust God in all things, big and small. In this case, it was a big situation, and Moses knew God would help them. And sure enough, he led them across the Red Sea. In fact, he led them through it. And God's instructions to Moses were to stop praying and to start doing. Because he said, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. This was time for Moses to act. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand. These were simple enough instructions which Moses followed. And it was through his obedience that God created the miracle. And it was through this miracle that he also spoke to the Egyptians. Way back in chapter 5, Pharaoh had asked, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? So God used this miracle to speak to Egypt as much as he used it to speak to the Israelites, demonstrating who he really was and who he really is, which is all-powerful and able to do absolutely anything. So the waters parted and the people were free to walk across on dry land. And we're told that the waters were a wall to them on their right and right hand and on their left. All they had to do was cross over the sea or through the sea. God provided a way out of their impossible situations, but they were the ones who needed to step forward in faith and trust in God's provision. They had to believe that the ground that they were going to walk over was safe. They had to believe that the water wouldn't cave in at any point and drown them all. They had to trust God's provision for a way out for them. 
And as the sea rolled back and there was a path clear made through the sea, they had two choices. First of all, do they stay where they are and be killed by the Egyptians or at least be taken back as their slaves again? Or do they step forward with faith in God and be saved? And of course, they stepped out in faith and they were saved. And not only that, but we're told that God troubled the army of the Egyptians until Israel had crossed over the Red Sea. Only then did he allow their army to continue in pursuit across the parted waters. And then we know the rest of the story. God told Moses to again lift out his hand over the sea and the waters came back on the Egyptians and they were drowned. And we know that it wasn't the power in Moses' hand, obviously, that held back the waters. And it wasn't his power that caused them at that point to come crashing back down. It was God. It was God's power at work through him because he trusted in him. You see, God could have performed this miracle without Moses, but we know that God can and does use all sorts of people for his purposes. And in using Moses, he showed everyone that Moses was indeed his chosen leader. And this was a turning point for Israel. Pharaoh and the Egyptians never bothered them again because they couldn't. And it confirmed that they were really safe from them by seeing them all drowned. God saved the Israelites from an impossible situation. What a story. No wonder the kid at the start didn't find it believable. But the thing is, it is. Because when we allow God to work in our lives, he can work miracles in us too. I'm not saying we're all going to cross the sea on dry land or anything like that. But in our ordinary, everyday lives, God can work in and through us to carry out his plans. God's view of the situation is so very different to ours. And God can change around any situation and can and does work miracles even today. And we might be tempted to think, well, you know what, that's a nice story of how God used his people back then and how he showed his power all those years ago. Because it's obvious to see God's power on display, that's, that's great. And it's easy to leave it there. But if we were to leave it at that, we'd miss the vital point. Because, you know what, through Moses, God provided a physical rescue from a physical slavery. What God did through his son Jesus is provide a spiritual rescue from a spiritual slavery. You see, we all make mistakes. We all mess up, every single one of us. And that things, the things that we do wrong, the sin that is in our lives, is what comes between us and God. We all fall short of God's standards because God's standard is perfection and none of us are perfect. Thankfully, though, Jesus is. And because he paid the price for all the wrong things that we've done by dying on the cross and rising to life again and beating death, then we have a hope for a new future and a new relationship with God because of him. Because of Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins. We can have a completely new start. By simply believing in Jesus and his resurrection, we can have that new life that is in him. The passing of the Israelites through the Red Sea mirrors baptism, which is the identification of, uh, with death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians in the Message Version says, They went through the waters in a baptism like ours, 
as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. They all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock God's foundation for them that stayed with them wherever they were, and that rock was Christ. You see, Paul is making the connection between the exodus from Egypt and the salvation in Christ. They went from being enslaved to salvation life. They were doomed, but God rescued them. And a few verses from the start of Romans 6 say, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. You see, the parting of the Red Sea was not only finalised God saving his people from slavery in Egypt, but it was a connection to God saving his people from slavery of sin through, his, uh, through Jesus Christ. We can have a new life in him after, the, after we die. We're promised eternal life, but also a new life in him now. Because when we allow God to work in our lives, when we allow him to direct our paths, when we trust in him with all that we are and live in a relationship with him, then what an amazing future lies ahead of us. And just as the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, we too will go through times of crisis. Times where things get really, really difficult. We'll have our own Red Seas to cross. But if we trust in God, then he will show us the way, one step at a time. We won't be able to see the whole of what lies ahead of us. But God asks us to trust him as we step out in faith, choosing to follow, like I said, one step at a time. But the question is this, are we prepared to move forward with Christ and the future relationships that will bring? Or will we constantly look back, hankering, as the Israelites did, for the life back in Egypt? If the Israelites would have stayed where they were, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have ended well. They couldn't just hang around and wait and see what happened. They had to choose which way to go. And so do we. We need to choose whether to follow Jesus wholeheartedly or not. And that's a challenge for us all, whether we've been Christians for a long time or whether we're not yet Christians. But choosing to follow Jesus is all about stepping forward in faith. I wonder how the Israelites felt when they saw the sea walls up either side of them. Did they wonder if the ground was hard enough to take them as they passed through? Did they wonder if they were about to sink into the mud? Did they wonder if the sea would stay where it was until they got through? And did they wonder whether it would crash back down on the Egyptians or not? The only way for them to find an answer to their questions was to take that first step. We might have our own questions about God and what it means to be a Christian. And maybe we too need to take that first step in following him. Maybe we've been Christians for years, but whatever it is, the more we choose to follow God's way instead of our own way in our daily lives, the more 
we spend time in his presence, then the less overwhelming the prospect of crossing our own Red Seas um, becomes. And why is that? Well, it's because we get to know the character of God more. We'll come to realise how utterly dependable he is, no matter how scary or daunting our problems might seem. Being a Christian doesn't mean we'll have it easy, far from it. It simply means that we have a relationship with God, the one who created us, who knows us inside and out, and the one who is willing to guide us if we choose to follow him. And finally, being a Christian is not just a one-off step of faith. It's a lifetime commitment to follow Jesus. It's a lifetime of stepping out into the sea, trusting that he will keep us safe to the other side. And it's a lifetime of choosing his way instead of our own. Baptism is an act of faith that says, I'm choosing to trust Jesus, and I want everyone to know about it. I'm choosing God's plan for my life instead of my own. And the challenge for us is to live in such a way that people can see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Being a Christian is a whole life commitment. We can't just pick and choose where we choose to follow God and where we allow God to be in charge of our lives. We need to choose to follow him completely. It's about acknowledging him with everything that we have and everything that we are. And that can be a real challenge. The Israelites on the edge of the Red Sea said they would have been better off back in Egypt. They looked back to their old life. Sometimes as Christians we're tempted to do that too. To look back to the things that we used to do and the choices we used to make. And sometimes we might think it'd be easier to give in and just go back to that. But baptism is a symbol of dying to our old way of life. And it's rising to a new future with Jesus. Not looking back, but living a life in relationship with our God who made us. And to 